Chapter Three, Part A, of The Dawn of a Tomorrow, by Francis Hodgson Burnett. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Three. They drew near and sat upon the substitutes for seats in a circle, and the fire threw up flame and made a glow in the fog hanging in the black hole of a room. It was Glad who set the battered kettle on, and when it boiled made tea. The other two watched her, being under her spell. She handed out slices of bread and sausage and pudding on bits of paper. Polly fed with tremulous haste, Glad herself with rejoicing and exulting in flavors. Antony Dart ate bread and meat, as he had eaten the bread and dripping at the stall, accepting his normal hunger as part of the dream. Suddenly, Glad paused in the midst of a huge bite. Mister, she said, perhaps that cove's waitin' for you. Let's have him in. I'll go and fetch him. She was getting up, but Dart was on his feet first. I must go, he said. He is expecting me, and— Ah, said Glad, let me go along a year, mister. "'Just to show there's no ill-feeling.' "'Very well,' he answered. "'It was she who led, and he who followed. "'At the door she stopped and looked round with a grin. "'Keep up the fire, Polly,' she threw back. "'Ain't it warm and cheerful? "'It'll do the cove good to see it.' "'She led the way down the black, unsafe stairway. "'She always led. "'Outside the fog had thickened again, "'but she went through it as if she could see her way.' At the entrance to the court the thief was standing, leaning against the wall with fevered, unhopeful waiting in his eyes. He moved miserably when he saw the girl, and she called out to reassure him. "'I ain't up to no arm,' she said. "'I only come with the gent.' Antony Dart spoke to him. "'Did you get food?' The man shook his head. "'I turned faint after you left me, and when I came to I was afraid I might miss you,' he answered. "'I daren't lose my chance.' I bought some bread and stuffed it in my pocket. I've been eating it while I've stood here. Come back with us, said Dart. We are in a place where we have some food. He spoke mechanically and was aware that he did so. He was a pawn pushed about upon the board of this day's life. Come on, said the girl. Yer can get enough to last you for three days. She guided them back through the fog until they entered the murky doorway again. Then she almost ran up the staircase to the room they had left. When the door opened, the thief fell back a pace, as before an unexpected thing. It was the flare of firelight which struck upon his eyes. He passed his hand over them. A fire, he said. I haven't seen one for a week. Coming out of the blackness, it gives a man a start. Improvident joy gleamed in Glad's eyes. We'll be warm once, she chuckled, if we ain't never warm again. She drew her circle about the hearth again. The thief took his place next to her, and she handed out food to him, a big slice of meat, bread, a thick slice of pudding. "'Fill yourself up,' she said. "'Then you'll feel like you can talk.' The man tried to eat his food with decorum, some recollection of the habits of his better days restraining him, but starved nature was too much for him. His hands shook, his eyes filled, his teeth tore. The rest of the circle tried not to look at him. Glad and Polly occupied themselves with their own food. Antony Dart gazed at the fire. Here he sat, warming himself in a loft with a beggar, a thief, and a helpless thing of the street. He had come out to buy a pistol. Its weight still hung in its overcoat pocket. And he had reached this place, of whose existence he had an hour ago not dreamed. 
each step which had led him had seemed a simple inevitable thing for which he had apparently been responsible but which he knew yes somehow he knew he had of his own volition neither planned nor meant yet here he sat a part of the lives of the beggar the thief and the poor thing of the street what did it mean tell me he said to the thief how you came here by this time the young fellow had fed himself and looked less like a wolf it was to be seen now that he had blue-gray eyes which were dreamy and young i have always been inventing things he said a little huskily i did it when i was a child i always seemed to see there might be a way of doing a thing better getting more power when other boys were playing games i was sitting in corners trying to build models out of wire and string and old boxes and tin cans i often thought i saw the way to things but i was always too poor to get what was needed to work them out twice i heard of men making great names and fortunes because they had been able to finish what i could have finished if i had had a few pounds it used to drive me mad and break my heart his hands clenched themselves and his huskiness grew thicker there was a man catching his breath who leapt to the top of the ladder and set the whole world talking and writing and i had done the thing first i swear i had it was all clear in my brain and i was half mad with joy over it but i could not afford to work it out he could so to the end of time it will be his he struck his fist upon his knee ah the deep little drawl was a groan from glad i got a place in an office at last i worked hard and they began to trust me i had a new idea it was a big one i needed money to work it out i remembered what had happened before i felt like a poor fellow running a race for his life i knew i could pay back ten times a hundred times what i took you took money said dart the thief's head dropped no i was caught when i was taking it i wasn't sharp enough someone came in and saw me and there was a crazy row i was sent to prison there was no more trying after that it's nearly two years since and i've been hanging about the streets and falling lower and lower i've run miles panting after cabs with luggage in them and had not strength to carry in the boxes when they stopped i've starved and slept out of doors but the thing i wanted to work out is in my mind all the time like some machine tearing round it wants to be finished it never will be that's all glad was leaning forward staring at him her roughened hands with the smeared cracks on them clasped round her knees things has to be finished she said they finish theirselves how do you know dart turned on her dunno how i know but i do when things begin they finish it's like a wheel rollin' down a hill her sharp eyes fixed themselves on darts all of us'll finish somethin' cause we've begun you will polly will he will i will she stopped with a sudden sheepish chuckle and dropped her forehead on her knees giggling dunno what i'm talkin' about she said but it's true dart began to understand what it was and he also saw that this ragged thing who knew nothing whatever looked out on the world with the eyes of a seer though she was ignorant of the meaning of her own knowledge 
It was a weird thing. He turned to the girl Polly. "'Tell me how you came here,' he said. He spoke in a low voice and gently. He did not want to frighten her, but he wanted to know how she had begun. When she lifted her childish eyes to his, her chin began to shake. For some reason she did not question his right to ask what he would. She answered him meekly, as her fingers fumbled with the stuff of her dress. "'I lived in the country with my mother,' she said. "'We was very happy together. In the spring there was primroses and—and lambs. I can't abide to look at the sheep in the park these days. They remind me so.' There was a girl in the village got a place in town, and came back and told us all about it. It made me silly. I wanted to come here, too. I—I I came. She put her arm over her face and began to sob. She can't tell you, said Glad. There was a swell in the house, made love to her. She used to carry up coals to his parlor, and he talked to her. He had a way with them. Polly broke into a smothered wail. "'Oh, I did love him so, I did,' she cried. "'I'd have let him walk over me. "'I'd have let him kill me.' "'He nearly did it,' said Glad. "'He went away sudden, and she's never heard a word of him since.' From under Polly's face, hiding arm, came broken words. "'I couldn't tell my mother. I didn't know how. I was too frightened and ashamed. Now it's too late.' I shall never see my mother again, and it seems as if all the lambs and primroses in the world was dead. Ah, oh, they're dead. They're dead, and I wish I was, too. Glad's eyes winked rapidly, and she gave a hoarse little cough to clear her throat. Her arms still clasping her knees, she hitched herself closer to the girl and gave her a nudge with her elbow. Buck up, Polly, she said. We ain't none of us finished yet. Look at us sittin' now, sittin' by our own fire with bread and puddin' inside us, and think what we was this mornin'. Who knows what we'll have this time tomorrow? Then she stopped and looked with a wide grin at Antony Dart. How did I come here? she said. Yes, he answered. How did you come here? I don't know, she said. I was here first thing I remember. I lived with a old woman in another ouse in the court. One morning, when I woke up, she was dead. Sometimes I've begged and sold matches. Sometimes I've took care of women's children, or helped with them when they had to lie up. I've seen a lot, but I like to see a lot. Ope I'll see a lot more afore I'm done. I'm used to being hungry and cold, and all that. But I allers like to see what's coming tomorrow. There's allers something else tomorrow. "'That's all about me,' she chuckled again. Dart picked up some fresh sticks and threw them on the fire. There was some fine crackling, and a new flame leapt up. "'If you could do what you liked,' he said, "'what would you like to do?' Her chuckle became an outright laugh. "'If I had ten pounds?' she asked, evidently prepared to adjust herself in imagination to any form of unlooked-for good luck. "'If you had more?' His tone made the thief lift his head to look at him. If I'd a wand like the one old Jem told me was in the pantomime? Yes, he answered. She sat and stared at the fire a few moments, and then began to speak in a low, luxuriating voice. I'd get a better room 
she said, reveling. There's one in the next house. I'd have a few sticks of furniture in it, a bed and a chair or two. I'd get some warm petticoats and a shawl and a hat with an ostrich feather in it. Polly and me'd live together. We'd have fire and grub every day. I'd get drunken bets, Bibby, put in a home. I'd help the women when they had to lie up. I'd... I'd help em a bit, with a jerk of her elbow toward the thief. If he was kept for perhaps he could work out that thing in his head. I'd go round the court and help with the husbands that knocks em about. I'd... I'd put a stop to the knockin' about. A queer, fixed look showing itself in her eyes. If I had money, I could do it. How much? With sudden prudence? Could a body have, with one of them wands? More than enough to do all you have spoken of, answered Dart. It's a shame a body couldn't have it. Apple Blossom Court'd be different thing. It'd be the same as Miss Montbion says it's going to be. She laughed again, this time as if remembering something fantastic, but not despicable. Who is Miss Montauban? She's the old woman as lives next floor below. When she was young, she was pretty and used to dance in the halls. Drunken bets says she was one of the wust. She said when she got old, it made her mad, and she got wusser. She was ready to tear Gail's eyes out, and when she'd get took for making a row, she'd fight like a tiger cat. About a year ago, she tumbled downstairs when she'd had too much, and she broke both her legs. You remember, Polly? Polly hid her face in her hands. Oh, when they took her away to the hospital, she shuddered. Oh, when they lifted her up to carry her? I thought Polly'd have a fit when she heard her screaming and swearing. My, it was language. But it was a hospital, did it? Did what? Dunno with an uncertain, even slightly odd laugh. Dunno what it did. Neither does nobody else. But something happened. It was along of a liddy as come in one day and talked to her when she was lying there. My eye, chucklin'. It was queer talk, but I liked it. Perhaps it was lies, but it was cheerful lies that helps yer. What I says is, if things ain't cheerful, people's got to be to fight it out. The women in the house larfed fit to kill theirselves when she fust come home limpin' and talked to em about what the liddy told her. But arter a bit, they liked to hear her, just along o' the cheerfulness. Said it was like a pantomime. Drunken Bet says, if she could get hold of it and believe it same as Jinny Montabon does, it'd be as cheerin' as drink and last longer. Is it a kind of religion? Is it a kind of religion? Dart asked, having a vague memory of rumors of fantastic new theories and half-born beliefs, which had seemed to him weird visions floating through fagged brains, wearied by old doubts and arguments and failures. The world was tired. The whole earth was sad. Centuries had wrought only to the end of this twentieth century's despair. Was the struggle waking even here? In this backwater of the huge city's human tide, he wondered with dull interest. Is it a kind of religion? he said. End. Chapter 3. Part A.